David. Or it's David talking to God, and it says this. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me you are, uh, are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. When, where, I'm sorry, were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, we are thankful for you. We are thankful for your word. We are thankful for today as we come to the table and we remember. We remember what you have done. We remember why you did it. We reflect how it has changed our lives. And as we reflect on it, God, it allows us to see and feel and then respond. Respond in such a way that we be challenged to go. Not just take this gift for ourselves and hold on to this cure for the cancer that is sin, but God, share it with the world. Change our hearts today, God. Change our minds today, God. And then use us to be a part of changing others. We pray it in your name. Amen. Today is our Remembrance Sunday, and if this is the first time you've had an opportunity to share with us in this, I want to uh, let you know that, that we do it differently. And, and it's not the fact that we do it right versus somebody else. We just do it differently. Too often when I grew up as a, uh, as a kid going to first Catholic church and then going to the Baptist church, it was just a part of the service. It was just a 15-minute part of it. And too often we get so sucked into just rituals and a thing that becomes part of our day, a routine that becomes part of the service on the second Sunday of the month for that 15 minutes. And everybody ate together and everybody drank together and that was it and it moved on. But today, I, I want to remember what Christ has done. And in the process of remembering what Christ has done, to, to reflect on how that really has changed our lives. And in even reflecting on how that changed our lives, to say, man, look what God has done in my life and look what is possible for me to do in others. How can I be a catalyst for change in other people's lives? And as we come to the table today, we remember. So my challenge for you is this. If you are a follower of Christ, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that today you come to the table as an individual, 
as a family, as a couple, as whatever it might be. And you come, take your cup, take your bread, go back, sit down at any point in time during the service. It's not a thing we're going to do it all together because this is between you and God. This is between you and your family and God. A time of remembering what Christ really did. And, and how he did it. And we're going to have songs, and I'm going to get back up and talk for a little bit. And we're going to have songs at a time of reflection, a time of scripture reading. It's just going to be a service where it, it just is open for you to remember what Christ has done. And not just remember what Christ has done, but take that remembrance. Reflect on it once again to see the changes happen in your life. And hopefully, when you leave today, be able to respond. Be able to go. Because, like I said, too often... Church is just church. It's just a part of the routine. It's just a part of what we do and, and how we do it. But today is a day, just like any Sunday, any Saturday night, any day that we wake up, honestly, should be a day that we remember what Christ has done for us and we should live according to it. But too often, it's just an event. Church is merely an event on our schedule, just like a soccer game, just like going to work, just like going to school, just like any, it's just an event, and we get done with it, and we go on with our lives. But that's not what it's about, because it has changed our lives. It is a community coming together to celebrate Jesus Christ. And I know some of you are sitting here in the dark going, this is really weird. And this is completely different, and I'm okay with that. And we wanted to make it where it was something that, that it, it was heartfelt, and that you had an opportunity to, to not, I mean, I can't see any of you, except I can see Charlie. I can see your silhouette behind that light. That is all I can see right now. And with that, Understand that this is between you and God. It's between you and him. And, you know, Jerome and I, we had this really good conversation this week. Uh, we actually had the opportunity. We sold our, our trailer to a church that had their trailer stolen twice. So we had, a, we had an, uh, a, a, some, something that they needed, and we were able to take care of that and, you know, um, be able to bless them in that at the same time. And as we were driving across town to do it, uh, we got to talking about just how we live. How our lives are lived. How we go forth in our daily schedule. And when we live, are we really living? Are we just existing? I'm not sure if you're aware of this. It is February 9th. What happened to January? Don't you remember back when we were celebrating New Year's and getting this whole thing about, hey, we don't want to waste our life, and now we're six weeks into the, into the year? What happened? And, and what happened over those six weeks for, for me? Did I truly live them out or did I just merely live? I think back to uh, Braveheart. Last week I used Forrest Gump as an illustration. Most people are like, I've never even heard of that movie before because I wasn't born yet. And, and, uh, and now I'm going to use another one that came out about the same time, which is Braveheart. And Braveheart w was the story of William Wallace. And he stands before his crew and he says, he says this, he says, every man dies, but not every man really lives. Are we really living? And that's the conversation that, that Jerome and I had. Are we on mission with God? Are our lives in tune with God and with Jesus as we follow? As we, we've gotten into this follow him in Matthew chapter 4. And, and verse 18, we've kind of parked the car there. and We're going to talk about that even a little bit more this morning. But are we in tune with his message? Are we in tune with his love? And are we sharing that with others? So we started a little over 10 weeks ago in here. And we've seen some great things happen. We had an evaluation meeting this week, and we talked about the things that have happened here at the, at the service and some great things, some things we need to change. But one thing stood out to me. Um, we've had one new family come and visit in the 10 weeks that we've been here. 
and they're here, and they came to the ownership class, and that is a great thing. But the bad thing is, is that we only had one new family. See, I think sometimes we sit back and we say, hey, we don't have to set up, and we don't have to tear it out anymore. That's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing, because you know what I saw last week as I stood around in the back watching? At 9 o'clock, I'm like, hey, you guys have to leave. We have another service getting ready to start. But everybody stood around and talked, and they had a great time, and they were connecting, and they were, they were ha- forming this community, something we didn't have at Cleveland, because if you stood around, you were in the way. And you remember that. We are like, move, grab a chair or move. That was, that was the two options you had. And, and so to, to switch from that is a great thing, but I think sometimes we sit back and we say, oh, you know, we're, we've made it, we've done it. No, there is a community, <coughs> a community that surrounds us that needs to hear the message that we have, the gift that we've been given. You see, if you go on to citydata.com and look up the city of Rio Rancho, it will tell you as of 2012, there was 90,818 people that lived in this city. 54.69% of them claimed some sort of religious affiliation, also on citydata.com. So that means that 49,677 people claim some sort of religious affiliation, which then leaves 41,141 people without any religious affiliation, without anything. And that's to say that of those 54.69%, that includes people who only claim a religious affiliation but do not know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. That goes from, from Catholics to Baptists to Mormons to Methodists to Evangelical Free, whatever it might be. There are people in those churches that do not know Jesus Christ. So let's just say that all 54.69% know Jesus. That still leaves 41,000 people, 41,000 of our neighbors that don't know Jesus. But we know it. We know the world. We, we know what's going on out there. We know what we've been saved from. As we come to this table, we remember what Jesus did, and we reflect on how it has changed our lives. Shouldn't that make us say, I want to go out. I want to reach out. I want to talk to people. I want to share this, this news. Jerome and I, in that same conversation, he said, you know what? It's kind of like watching a superhero movie. And in watching that superhero movie, the, the world is crumbling all around, and the superhero is sitting on the couch. He says, yeah, I just don't really want to. If we were watching that movie, what would we be doing? We'd be screaming at the screen. Get off the couch. Go save the world. That's your job. You've been given special powers. Use it. Well, guess what? We are that superhero. We need to go out. We've been given the special powers to reach out to a world that is hurting and lost and missing without Jesus. We understand that. We've... we've, interacted in the world it's not like we live in this christian bubble and don't know what's going on out there but the thing is we we have a hope that this isn't the end they do not they only hope it's not the end and as we look at that and we see this population and this change who's going to tell them as we remember as we reflect we have to respond because jesus died for us and jesus died for them the same people that we get so irritated with. The same things we see on the news and can't believe that somebody would do something like that to a child, to another human being. Jesus died for them as well. And it tells us in Romans 10, 14, and 15, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet 
of those who bring good news. As we remember today, as we reflect, as you come forward and take a just a thing of juice, there's nothing special about it, in a, in a cracker that is bought at the store, as you take that and remember that, that this is the broken body of Jesus and this is the poured out blood of Jesus for you and for me and for the rest of the world and how that has impacted us and how that can impact others. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask Jerome and Christy to come forward, and we're going to sing. And like I said, from here on out, this table is open. And you come when you're ready. You come between when it's between you and God, and you say, yes, God, I, I, am, I am ready to come forward and take from the table. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for who you are. We are thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. We are thankful that he came and that he died. But, God, that death did not just hold him there that he defeated that death so that we could have an eternal relationship with you. Help us never to take that for granted, to understand who you are and what you did all for this world of people who doesn't really like you. Pray it in your name. Amen. As we have this time of singing, um, a lot of times people often refer to the singing aspect or the music part of the service as worship, but such is not the case. Everything we do, reading the word, um, praying, all of it is an act of worship. And so in these times when we're singing these songs, um, I ask you to simply do as you feel prompted to do. If you want to pray throughout these song times please do and i would encourage that some of you guys are intercessory prayers i mean you just have the gift to pray for our community you have the gift um that when you pray things happen and that's such an underutilized gift and a weapon that we have in our kingdom so i would ask you to pray not only for this service but for the next service and pray for the community and what's going on outside of these walls and the people that are out there Take this time because so often, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes um, you know, we all have the same amount of time in a day. But we often feel like, well, if I just had a little more time, I could pray a little more. I could read a little more of the Bible. I could do this and do that. But we have this time right now to just focus on God and, and to reflect on him. So use that time to pray. If you want to sing, sing. If you want to read the Psalms, I know it's a little dark in here, but you, uh, I've been reading the Psalms lately, and it's just been such an amazing time to, to just reflect on those. So um, I say worship in the way that you feel prompted. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain.
So as we remember, we need to make sure not to take this for granted. To remember that the God of the universe, God who created everything, humbled himself down to the point that he would enter his creation. He would send his son to enter this creation in order that we may live and have a relationship with him. That is, that is a mind-blowing thought that we take for granted way too often. We have to remember like what it says in Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that while we were still sinners, not while we were really good people, not while we were the people that, that earned him coming down here. It's, it's while we were far from him, while we were basically hated by him. He still loved us enough to send his only son to die for us. And as we've been going through the Gospels and as we've been, been reading, uh, we've parked the car for a few weeks here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22. And that's where, where Jesus comes and he, he meets up for the first time with these Galilean fishermen to call them to truly be his disciples. Now he's talked to them before we talked about that last week. And the first thing we talked about even last week was the fact that he called them to radical abandonment, to follow Christ. Radically abandoning everything, be willing to give up, be willing to let go of all the things this world has to offer and only follow Christ. And that is the first step, the core part of discipleship. Because we said there's lots of people that were defined as disciples last week, but to be a, a true disciple. The first thing is that. And the second thing is this. Is that we need to have this radical dependence on the grace of God. Radical dependence on the grace of God. Uh, I'm not sure if while we were reading or while we were singing or while we were praying, whatever you were doing during, during that time, that you looked at the words that you were singing from Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Turn my heart to sing thy grace streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise get down to where it says oh jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of god he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood he he poured out his blood this table is here to remind us that we were wandering far from that fold but he came and he died by his grace and this is oh to grace how great a debtor Daily, I'm constrained to be. I am, I am a, in debt to God's grace. And let thy goodness like a fetter. A fetter is like a chain that would hold us. Like, like what a prisoner would wear to be attached to a, a, a prison guard of some sort. It says, oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. And let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Because you know what? I'm prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Even though he's done all these things for me, I'm prone to leave that. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart. Here's my all. I'm radically abandoning. I'm not giving my heart to all these worldly idols. Instead, I'm giving my heart to you. And it's because of your radical grace that, that brings the glory of Christ. Because guess what? I do not deserve to be standing in front of you. I don't deserve to be right here in this building. I don't deserve any of the things that God has blessed me with except by his grace. We don't deserve to be here, except by his grace. See, Jesus shows us something as he chooses these disciples. 
The fact that he chose them. Because in that day, a rabbi did not choose his disciples. People wanted to go to a rabbi and say, will you take me on? But that wasn't it. Jesus took the initiative to choose these disciples. And guess what? These disciples, they weren't noblemen. They weren't academically elite. They were like the backwood people from Arkansas. That, that, that is the best description. They're just mere fishermen. All they did was fish. They knew that part, and that was it. And, but God, in his grace, in his mercy, said, you know what? I don't want the noble. I don't want the elite. I want the people who my glory can shine through. Those are the ones I'm going to, not saying he can't use the others, but the first ones he chose were who? The ones that were mm, fighting. As we read through the scriptures, we're going to see them fighting about who's the greatest. They, they almost seemed like they were more of a burden to Jesus than they were a help. They didn't have a worldwide global mission. But this is the thing that happens. Is that when Jesus comes, he says, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you. Not follow me because you are fishers of men, now go. It was follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And over a three-year process, he tells them in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples, just like I have made you into disciples. Have I've made you, I have taken you to that point. And we see it. And it's kind of one of those things that, that we go, well, how is that like us? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, gives us a very accurate picture of, of who God is calling. And sometimes we see that, that he's talking to the Corinthian church, but I also want to make sure that you understand he is talking to you and he's talking to me. So before we get some big head about who we are, uh, you know, in, in our standing, look what, look what it says, look what Paul tells us. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were from noble birth. But God chose the foolish things. Guess who the foolish things are? Us. God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. And the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. See, it's the grace of Christ that has us standing here. We are completely dependent on that grace. And God designed it that way. God designed it that way. To see from Matthew chapter 4, when he takes these first disciples, and it goes all the way over to Acts chapter 2, and the things that they are doing the, in the you, you take a Peter who was in that first group called that had plenty of opportunity to say the wrong things and took that opportunity and did it throughout Scripture, throughout the Gospels. And then in Acts chapter 1, he gets up and he preaches his first sermon ever and 3,000 people become followers. I don't care who you are. That's impressive. And, and that wasn't because of Peter. That's because of what God had done. That's because of what Jesus had done to bring him to that point and use him. And, and he was just a fisherman that didn't ever have the right words to say, that had a temper problem, that had some issues that he dealt with, but yet he had faith. He had faith, and he realized without Jesus that he would fail. The next song we're going to sing 
is one that you can sing along with us. It's one that, that you can just listen to and reflect on. It's a, it's a song by Hillsong United called Oceans, Where Feet May Fail. And when I hear this song, I think of Peter. I think of that, that very disciple. And when Jesus came walking to, on him in, walking to him on the water, and they're all on the boat, and they're all afraid, and they say, hey, is that, what is that? Is that a ghost? And Jesus says, no, it's me. It's me. And Peter says, hey, if it's really you, call me to get out there on the water. And a lot of times we see in that story that Peter gets out, and he takes a couple of steps, and then he looks at the waves around him, and he starts to sink. And he cries out to Jesus, and he reaches out his hand, and Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. And, and we focus on the end part of that rather than the beginning part of that. Because I'm pretty sure that morning he didn't wake up and say, all right, I've practiced enough to walk on water. Today's the day I'm going to be able to do it. That was not the attitude that he had towards it all. What happened was, is Jesus called him out, and he obeyed. Obeyed to do the impossible. Because it is not possible without God. When God is calling us to do something, we obey And we obey in faith, even when we're standing in the middle of an ocean where we think our feet should fail us, that we should sink. And God calls us out. And that's what brings us right here. That's what brings us right to this table. Because it reminds me of that grace that he poured out with his blood on that cross. Like I said, take this time as we sing this song to reflect on what has happened. You can sing along with us. Like Jerome said, you can just pray it as a prayer. But reflect on it as we do.
But I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know. should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my come yet to the table, I would, I would challenge you to come now, and, uh, and then we'll move on from there.
we are so thankful that you sent your son for us. Even as we take the rest of this morning to remember, may not, may it not be something that just is drawn out, that we're looking at the clock to see when it's going to be done, God, but instead to, to look to you and constantly be in praise for what you have done and how you've done it. Put it all in your name, Lord. Amen. Final thing I want to talk about is to see this discipleship process, the radical abandonment of all that is, and the radical grace that we are dependent on for the glory of Christ is, is the fact that we are radically attached, that we are radically loyal, that we are radically obedient, that we are radically consistent with Jesus Christ. Because it, it's so easy for us, like I said, to, to become attached to other things, but in this process, when Jesus calls him alongside, he doesn't say, hey, what I need you to do is I need you to go to school first. I need you to go to seminary first. I need you to, to sit and memorize all the rules. What he says is, I want you to come and I want you to follow me. I want you to be a part of what I am doing. I want to train you hands on. And I want to see you change the world. I want to pour out into you, and, th and that way we can pour out into others. And that's, that's what he's showing as an example here, and that's what he's just showing in a, as an example in our lives. See, disciple-making revolves around the person of Jesus Christ. And it, it shows us in two ways, because so often we can get into the, well, I have, to, I have to have this schooling before I can do anything. And that's, that's not true. I have to have a seminary degree before I can do anything. Once again, not true. You have to be a follower of Jesus Christ and allow him to work through you. That is, that is it. It allows us a freedom. It allows us a freedom to go out, that not to have to follow a bunch of rules and a bunch of laws and a bunch of you know, mandates, but instead to follow Jesus and respond in love and obedience to those rules and those mandates that he's laid out there. We don't do it in order to earn his love. We do it because we already have his love. And we are responding to him in that. And the second thing we need to see with that is it's so easy for us to say, well, if we have these things, then we can build this institution that is the church. But he hasn't called us to build an institution. He's called us to build up individuals that come together to be the body of Christ. You know, five years from now, five months from now, five days from now, it really doesn't matter what happens to paragon church because it is not about the church it's about us being the church and going and sharing now do we want to see the church succeed absolutely but we don't want to see it by building up our own institution and our own idols we want to see it by building up jesus christ and going out and telling people about him that is what we want to see so often we can play the what if game well, what if, God, what if this happens? And we, we play out all these lies in our minds of what could potentially happen. And God says, no, just follow me. I've got it. I've got the future in my hands. And I know, I know there, there are things that are going through people's minds right now because intel's all sorts of all over the place. And, and that's a huge thing in our community. And, you know, it attaches itself to so many other things. And there's other businesses that are, that are going to be affected. And there's other businesses that are already, already hurting. And, and we're in economic times that, that make us go, well, what if? No, God says, I got it. I got it all. And when you are radically attached to me and not attached to the institution and not attached to, to the, the ideas of, of rules and things, but attached to me, 
you'll see that. When you're obedient to me, when you are loyal to me, when you have consistency with me, you will see what I see. And that's what it all comes down to. And guess where it all started at? It all started right here at this table. And that is why we remember. We remember what he has done and what he is still doing and what he is going to do. Because it didn't stop right here. It, it really started for us right here when he died on that cross for us. And I want to challenge you that as you go out, that this wasn't just another service. This wasn't just another time to sing and sit in the dark and, and get emotional. But allow God to work in your heart and in your life and in your mind and in all that you do and that all that you are. And that we truly do surrender all. And that we decide to follow Jesus. And we stand fully engaged with him. We're going to sing this last set of songs. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. you. You can stand. You can sit. You can kneel. You can pray. You can do whatever you feel you want to do. You can even put your hands up. It's okay. As we sing these last songs, may there be a prayer from your heart to God. Not just words on the screen, but a prayer from your heart to God. Our white flag. 
lifted high, lifted high. We lift the cross, 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 lifted high, lifted high. We lift the cross lifted high, lifted high. We lift the cross lifted high, lifted high. We lift the cross lifted high, lifted high. We raise our white flag. We surrender all to you. Yeah. 
so much for dying but not only that but having the power to raise up from the dead because our king lives we sing all these praises not to a dead king but to a king who is risen and living and breathing and active in all of our lives to him be the glory amen amen ladies and gentlemen thank you for being here this morning i pray that uh, that god is working in you and working on you and working through you and even working in spite of you as we go out into this world, as we open these doors and the light pours in and your eyes try to adjust, I pray that this isn't just one of those things you say, well, that was fun, and then leave it at that. I pray that God is changing your heart and changing your mind and helping you to go change the world. Let's pray together and you'll be dismissed. God, thank you once again for who you are. May these songs not just be songs that we sing, and may these words not just be words that we we speak and made this table not just be a routine that we come to, but God, may it be something that we remember and then we reflect. And in reflection, we respond to your grace and your goodness and share it with the world. As we go, God, give us the power. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Amen.